0: This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar.
1: This is Automatic of Auto's used cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun
0: with Crunch. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries, right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still.
1: Hello and welcome to The Rest is Entertainment, Questions Edition's.
0: Questions and Answers yes, edition. Yes, love it Lovely to have you here.
1: Thank you very much because last... Not you.
0: Week I didn't mean it's lovely to have you here. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> I meant people listening.
1: Now, any other business, we're starting with any other business, which is the wrong way about it, because last week we talked a little bit about cooking shows and food being, what temperature is it served to the judges? Yeah. And Jay Rayner, cooking show judge and listener to the show... Fan of the pod. Fan of the pod. Has written in and he says... Richard is right that it's often not exactly piping hot, but that's only part of the story. Food show producers go out of their way to present the dishes to the best of their advantage. If an ice cream is involved, it will be stored in the freezer.
0: Oh, my God. You know what? They say TV producers are, are, are thick. Where's the um, ice cream? Uh, it's in the oven, I think.
1: Okay. If it's a chocolate fondant, which might go solid if left too long, it is prioritised. But the food we eat in the MasterChef <laughs> Critics Chamber, however, is served hot. Yeah. It's staggered start for the chefs, as it was when the critics cut it off against each other for the glorious special broadcast between Christmas and New Year. Usually there's a gap of about 40 minutes. So you're allowed to eat the food straight from the kitchen. But there are other ways. A couple of years ago, Jay was a guest on the huge global cooking show for Netflix called The Final Table, which weirdly didn't get recommissioned. I imagine Okay, he's being ironic there. Each episode was themed to a different country with appropriate judges who rode a judging platform that rose 90 foot into the air. Surely not. That wow. sounds brilliant. I must dig it out. My colleagues for the British episode were Cat Dealey and broke called Gary Lineker. The choice of judges was, I <laughs> believe, anybody British with a valid O visa. On that show, the judging on camera was going to take so long that there was a prejudging in a room off the floor the moment the food was finished, so it was hot. And I hope that helps.
0: That really does help. And that's like um, Eurovision, isn't it? The, yeah. Uh... The juries watch the rehearsal and you watch the live one.
1: Aha, I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: It's exactly the same as The Final Table with Jay Rayner, Kat Dealey and Gary Lineker. (laughs) Thank you, Jay. That's very kind of you.
1: Okay, I've got a question for you, Richard. It comes from Donald, who sent this one on Twitter. What is the cheapest type of TV show to make? His guess is that it's a chat show, like Wogan or Norton. Presumably the main expense is the presenter's fees. Would the guests typically charge a fee or is exposure for their book, film, etc. payment in kind?
0: It's a very good question. Um... Chat shows are actually quite expensive for a couple of reasons. Firstly, you know if you want to get American stars over, you have to fly them over first class and their entourage over first class and put them up in incredibly nice hotels. Um, but mainly because you only film one at a time. And the way to make cheap television is to make five of them in a single day. So quiz shows are probably the cheapest. Just, you know, the, the most expensive thing about making a TV show is the studio and the crew in that studio. Uh, and if you make one show a day, Studio cost is exactly the same as if you make five shows a day. So quiz shows are probably the cheapest. They're certainly the cheapest in terms of bang for your buck because they rate very, very highly, yeah. and they're crazily expensive to make. Clip shows, if you own the catalogue of the clips, are very cheap to make. If you're the BBC and you own Top of the Pops, it's very cheap to bung a few kind of chirons across a Top of the Pops and say, "Give us a fact about shawaddy waddy That's cheap. Essentially, anything in a studio is fairly expensive, and, and unless you make a lot. But things like, you know, Bargain Hunt is not crazily expensive. But yeah, chat shows, weirdly, are are very expensive.
1: All right. You've mentioned Bargain Hunt, so I've got to go on to another question, which I think is quite interesting, this one. Kath Venable says, why is there so much antique-related programme for
0: It's a good question. Why, why would you think?
1: Well, I think it's... it's I don't have the answer, I, by I, the way. It is hugely popular. Funny enough, I suppose th- this isn't a reason why it exists, by the way. But it is quite. It's people in the antiques trade who I and I have talked to someone in the antiques trade about this, who's really funny about it. Who said that basically people now come in and they've learnt and what they yeah. believe is the negotiating technique, which you're very funny on, on from bargain hunt or whatever. And so they say, no, you know, I've seen this is I've seen this on bargain hunt. What's the best sh- price? I should get this. You know, I should oh. get this discount. He's like, yeah, yeah, but. For the same reason you were saying uh, on a previous episode of this show, the reason people are getting those discounts is because, it's you know, you're on television and this is the sort of thing that happens on television. Another thing he said that happens is that people... So people have learned because of those shows how they think they negotiate with these people. It's obviously been great because it does send people out into the business and it's been a boost for kind of fairs and all sorts of different types of sales. But also, if people feel they have a piece that's similar to something will send photos of it and will say as seen on you know salvage hunters and therefore will expect the same price and again he's like yeah <laughs> the reason you're not getting the same price for the thing was salvage- is because this happened on television so it has whilst it's been brilliant for the trade a lot of people have had to sort of say yeah it doesn't happen quite like this off the television it's not
0: exactly representative and also you know it's it's very hard to pick up three things retail and then sell them at auction for a profit it's like insanely difficult and it's not necessarily the thing you do but it's also one of those things it's got an amazing hook the, the key thing with formats is ask a question in the first five minutes which is not going to be answered till the last five minutes but that you want to know the answer to and it's almost impossible to see someone buy like a brass plate for 15 pound and not think oh i wonder what they're going to sell that for <laughs> you know it, it, this it eats away at you i was watching one where they they bought like this old bicycle with a with a shop sign on it and they they'd really smash too much they'd Paid 175 quid. Uh, And honestly, I had somewhere to be, but I thought, I'm going to have to wait to the end because I think they're going to lose money. (laughs) I think that's crazy. They spent 175 pounds. They've asked me a question that I want to know the answer to, and I'm going to have to wait through six other purchases uh, and then I'll find out. And actually, that bite sold for about 220, so he did a great job. But the beauty of all those shows and all the antique shows, almost all of them end with an auction. So every single time you're shown something, at home, you can kind of go ask oh, Clarice Cliff. And uh <laughs> but is it? A full, it's not a full set. It's a tiny, and there's a tiny little chip, isn't there? I'm going to go a seventy. To, what if they paid ninety? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> antique shows have got a great little hook, which is you've got something, you can have an opinion on that, and at the end you discover if it makes money or loses money, and you're pretty happy either way. Yeah. Okay, a question uh, for you, Marina. By the way, can I just say the questions we get are so good. Yeah. But if you have sent some in, we've literally got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. So there are plenty that we will get to in time. But please
1: do keep sending them in.
0: Exactly, because every week there's like a new one you think, oh, we have to answer that. Uh, Kenny asks, when I watch football on TV, after a goal is scored, they always have a full replay of each manager reacting, starting from before the goal is scored to after. Does this mean it's the job of two people to each track only them with a camera and nothing else for the entire match?
1: Well, I think this is a brilliant question. I'm going to come on to another little bit related to it in a minute. But some people connected with this podcast do have something to do with football. And so Dominic, we've been Dominic quite Sandbrook. lucky. Yeah. Like quite lucky to have Rory Stewart has given us this. No, <laughs> has given us has given us this fantastic answer. Okay, which is since the advent of Sky, live matches have been covered by an increasing number of cameras, including one which is called the reverse camera. So this is actually on the opposite side of the pitch that the normal um, broadcasters' cameras are on. So you can't really show anything from it because otherwise it would look like all the players are running the wrong, wrong direction. So the biggest job of the reverse camera is to get reaction shots from the benches. And which are usually positioned on the same size as the main cameras. However, with the advent of the manager as a major character, which I sort of love, which oh, yeah. is sometimes more important than players themselves. Main
0: character energy.
1: Yeah, main, huge main character energy. And the game's been up by broadcasters, often with two cameras covering the benches permanently. So that's why there are so many reaction shots. Now, a mill- brilliant movie critic called David Thompson, who's uh, also a big Chelsea fan, and he wrote a very interesting book about television. And I really love the way he talked about the evolution of football. After it became essentially as it is now a television event, because so many people, obviously, people have been priced out, and it most people experience in this country experience football as something that they see on yeah. television because it's very, very, it's much harder to get to the games. Now, what's interesting is how that has affected what you see, which is that footballers have become like performers. Their celebrations are far more operatic than they ever used to be back in the days when it wasn't like this. So many cameras now track them. They know that they are being filmed, and yeah. um, they are part of a system of slow motion and close-ups and it has affected how they behave and they are far more operatic in the way that they behave which is very interesting. What I find also very interesting is that now when I watch my son, if he misses he turns really slowly away and puts his hands <laughs> up to his head really slowly in that slow-mo disappointment shot Amazing. that he's seen so many times. So I find it really fascinating the way it percolates down. Also,
0: I was just, literally just thinking as you were talking there, 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 there was a thing they used to have on football shows which has percolated in, into our culture now, which was the tense in which a, a, a footballer would talk about when watching their own goal back. Oh yeah, I've gone down the wing, yeah. I've crossed it, Lineker's headed it in. I was delighted, you know, so it's a weird tense. And now that's what they do on reality shows. If you watch The Traitors, for example, they will be showing a round table and they will cut to someone in an interview going, and I'm thinking, what on earth's going on? The footballer's tense has come into the way reality. Great TV shows.
1: writer Jack Rosenthal used to call that the football continuous. It's as yes. though it's always happening yeah. while it while, while we're all everything is happening now and always.
0: Well that's all American reality shows and now UK reality shows are in the are in the footballers continuous. <laughs> the studio shows, by the way, it's it's a similar thing. You will you will if you've got say two panels and a and a host, you'll have a camera which is called an ISO, which will constantly be showing the host, and there will be two cameras which are ISOed on the two teams so you got two shots and then you have three roving cameras who are picking up uh, other shots so yeah you will often have an iso camera which is just picking up the thing that in the edit you know you're gonna need in football it's live but in a, in you know any sort of entertainment show it's just so wherever you are you can go via any of the people on the screen via iso cameras and sometimes they're locked off which just means they don't even have a camera operator so people don't get bored yeah. <laughs> I worry about a camera operator just on an ISO camera, because yeah. that's not fun. That's yeah. like that's like all day. Here's another one for you, Marina. Stuart Patterson asks, what does it mean when on-screen talent gets an executive producer credit? In the latest season of True Detective, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson both get credits, even though they don't appear in the show. What do they actually do for that? asked Stuart.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. Well, OK, that's a good one. What, I, I don't know the specifics of this, but what will have been the case is that they were obviously the stars of the first season of True Detective, and in order probably for that show to get greenlit originally you would have had to have had two big names attached, and part of the deal that their agent got them was that they would be named an executive producer. It's, to some extent, a vanity credit. And they will take money, probably, even though, you know, the new season, which I must actually look up. apparently it's fantastic with Jodie Foster in it, but it wouldn't have got off the ground had they not been attached. You'll see a lot of writers known as different types of producer. I'm currently working on an HBO show in which I'm an executive producer, it essentially means writer. There are some extra things you might do, but really production in the sense that anyone from the outside would understand it is being done by someone who is a proper sort of line producer and will find the locations and will deal with the studios and the sets and the builds and all those difficult things. The thing you need to understand, I guess, about US showbiz particularly is this... is unbelievably unionized. And so part of the reasons why writers are given sort of things like different types of, you know, you go down the credits, you get executive producer, co-executive producer, supervising producer, consulting producer, all of that can basically just mean writer. WGA and agents really push for those because you get different types of fees and it's a way of being credited. That is a medium that really venerates writers, I guess, and particularly a broadcaster that does HBO. I mean, Will Ferrell is li- listed as an executive producer of Succession, and you'll see his name up in the titles. and think, what's Will Ferrell got to do with this show? In fact, Adam McKay, who directed the first episode of Succession and set a lot... You know, that first this, whoever directs the first episode is very significant because it creates the whole sort of visual tone of it and the way the camera moves. And, you know, a lot of that was sort of, you might think, was quite influenced by The Big Short or whatever, which is an Adam McKay film. So Will Ferrell has been, as a producer, he has a production company with Adam McKay and he's been on there right since the start. Sometimes the awards people, I am told, can get quite fussy about people turning up to awards ceremonies when they're listed as executive producers or whatever on shows, who clearly don't have any form of involvement with the show at all. And they can be really quite sniffy about it, but some people still turn up and still yeah, try I bet and, they do. you know. So, so they answer
0: the question, what do Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson do for their credit? They, they, they bank the checks. Yeah, they bank the yeah. checks.
1: Now, that's what they do. Yeah. But they got it made in the first place. Exactly.
0: They're the ones that, uh, yeah, made the money in the first place.
1: Okay, now let's go into a break.
0: Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards,
1: tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving
0: to your local store, like now. Go! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Welcome back, everybody, to this question and answer episode of The Restless Entertainment, or the questions episode, if you are Marina Hyde. Richard,
1: this is a really good one. Tom Adcock says, cheating in quiz shows, do you think it happens? Have you ever suspected it? And any sympathy with the theory that Charles Ingram, who obviously famously was accused and found guilty of cheating in Millionaire, who wants to be a millionaire, that he's innocent?
0: It's a good three-part question. I'll take the last part first. (laughs) No, I don't believe he's innocent uh I think he's absolutely banged to rights one of my lovely um producers I won't name her just just in case it's sub judice but um she was the one who walked past the window as he and his wife were Discussing what happened and the wife was berating major Charles Ingram for making things too obvious and messing it up So she was one of the star witnesses uh, in court. Yeah, I mean he definitely did it But
1: when they when they did the sorry I've got a little tiny something on this a snippet when they made the um, the ITV drama quiz Which was written by James Graham and directed by Stephen Frears and was sort of absolutely brilliant It was a huge hit a couple of years ago People from within Salador said they no longer think it was done by coughing but they know he cheated.
0: However it was done, yeah, he he, he he definitively cheated. It's quite hard to cheat on quiz shows, mainly because you are mic'd up all the time and your sound is isolated to the booth. So if, if we're presenting Pointless, for example, and somebody is talking, then we can hear it. On the Pointless celebrities, people cheat nonstop. We we <laughs> once had someone on, and I think it was no. said, um, oh, um, you, you, you need to stop conferring uh, and she said we're not conferring we're just talking about the answers so okay uh but honestly so occasionally it's it's it's, 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 it's 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 like running a south london minicab office sometimes in, a, in, in my ear during pointless <laughs> celebrities because everyone's sort of chatting away it's really hard to cheat i would say it's i guess you could hack into where the questions were i don't know where you'd find them and they are very siloed mm. as well you know they're, they're, they're sort of taken care of i have all the answers written down so you could you know, I turn them over if anyone's anywhere near. But you know, no one's cheated as 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 far as I've known. There, but there was one TV show. I can't remember what it was called, but it was produced by a guy called um, David Young, who did The Weakest Link and stuff like that. And um, they'd filmed, I think, fifty of them. And a camera operator on the last episode just said, "I think if you're on podium four, you can just about see the presenter's screen." <laughs> there was no indication that anyone had cheated, but. The fact that if you were on that podium, you could there's a you could sort of lean and see the screen. David Young said, "I'm scrapping everything. I'm going to fund a whole new series because not you know I can because it's BBC and I, I don't want anyone no to be accused of cheating." He said he'd just been paid forty million quid for his company, so oh, he was he, he was all right. Um, but you know he just said like, it's it's the integrity of the show is absolutely everything. It is on, it is on all those shows. So he said I'm funding a whole how new fascinating run of the I wonder if they went
1: back and saw how many podium fours had are-
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my understanding is there was no evidence of that um, at all. I have that thing on my screen on House of Games, like anyone's going to cheat on House of Games, which means you can't (laughs) see a screen from a certain angle. You know that sort of privacy screen? It means I can barely see it when I'm looking at it. But, um, yeah, really, really hard to cheat on quiz shows pop master they all cheat on don't they you could hear that if one ken bruce's pop master yes um that uh the occasional person is on wikipedia that you know they'll say mm. who had a hit with too shy yeah. in 1981 <laughs> they go oh i don't i don't know i don't know um kajagugu <laughs> uh, yeah yes. yeah it is i guess i guess it is kajagugu uh but so you know you, you can cheat on that but um you know, if if there's no big prizes, it doesn't. Really, that's why on House of Games there's no cash prize or money for charity, just so people can do what they want. Marina, I have a question for you. I am going to demand an answer. It's from Adam Ford. There is no question that they are good, but is it really the case that no one else apart from Anton Deck has done enough in the last hundred years or so to deserve a Best Entertainment Show Gong? Discuss.
1: Okay, I guess this is about Anton Deck winning the National Television Awards, the NTAs. Best, whatever they the, the, the NTAs, every single year for the last. Twenty-two. I can't remember what the exact number is, but it's it's a huge number of years. I guess the thing is, they present the biggest shows on television, and it is a voted for by the public award. Now, do I think that that is? open to gaming, should we put it? I mean, they don't have the UN election officers taking a look at this particular voting. So I I suppose you can vote early and vote often.
0: It often skews quite ITV heavy. I'll I'll just say that.
1: Do they have armies of voters? You know, are there Macedonian troll farms pulling down other elections just to do the NTAs? It's possible. I must say, there is clearly you can sort of, as I say, you can vote early and vote often. So that sort of thing could be manipulated. Having said that, they present... The biggest shows. It would be nice to think that Claudia Winkleman might get it for the traitors one year because I think that maybe that's maybe it will turn out that that's been the bigger show. If if they don't and it continues to be ITV heavy, I suppose at some level we must have our own suspicions. But
0: yeah, I, I will also say that they sort of demonstrably are the best as well mm. and whether, whether they're 22 years in a row the best I don't know but I think of our generation they are the the, the greatest presenting duo I mean they're just amazingly great at what they do but um and yeah, they've had nice. the best shows yeah. And
1: that it's it's very hard to get past those two facts, the exactly. best shows and the biggest rating shows. And once you have all of those, it's quite difficult to imagine in a voted for by the public award. In a sense, they're voting for the public every time they turn on to one of their shows. And that's why they are the biggest rated. Um, so I suppose it's but obviously the hegemony must be broken at some point.
0: <laughs> Finally, you said it. <laughs>
1: Right, let's end with this question from Mary Wilson-Brown. Given the surge in interest for darts and bringing back old shows, do you think we'll see Bullseye being revived? And if yes, who do you think will make a good host?
0: Um, I mean, they did bring it back with Dave Spikey as host. I mean, yes, I guess that a channel would bring it back. You know, it's like one of those things people people always say, oh, they should bring back blockbusters. And you're going to go, yeah, they... They brought it back like five times. Yeah. Simon Mayo did it. Lisa Tarbuck did it. Uh, Dara O'Brien did it. Yeah. These shows that sort of come back and then slightly disappear. I think that probably it wouldn't have the mass appeal of a Gladiators for obvious reasons. It's some quiz questions and then some people throwing darts. So I would guess no. And that what would we want, as guess. we
1: discussed before, is that what people really want now is people will love the series behind the scenes in darts you know the yeah. sort of drive to survive of darts would be a much more fascinating thing the kind of tastes have changed to some extent and uh, people will love that i think that will be very i think that will be fascinating to see how that does actually
0: yeah but i i, I don't think there's a rush to bring back big break or um oh, big break or, or bullseye anytime soon there's a there's an amazing true crime documentary which is called the bullseye killer which is uh, a guy who appeared on Bullseye, so they just got loads of clips of him on Bullseye. And then he's a murderer. And you think that I do? And the, the Bullseye thing has nothing to do with the rest causal,
1: of it. But it's correlated, not causal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Jim Bowen was not involved. Just give
1: him a break oh. at
0: any point. So you'll never beat you'll never beat Jim Bowen.
1: And nor should you want to. Nor should you want to. Thank you so much for listening. Again, do keep the questions coming in. The rest is entertainment at gmail.com.
0: We will see you next Tuesday for our regular episode. I hope you enjoyed this one. Yep, keep those questions coming in.
1: Thanks so much. Bye bye. Bye.